Hello again from me, Ian Gregg. And me, Alison Gregg. With this episode of the Living Word podcast for February the 19th. I'm sorry we're a bit late this week. We sacrificed the strict schedule for a family get-together at the weekend. I'm sure you'll understand. Last week, we were talking about being spiritual and what that means. And here's a question that has come out of that. What's the difference between going to church and what we discussed as being spiritual? A good church will give you a sense of meeting with the Lord and a spiritual top-up to take with you on the way out. So that is being spiritual, but I suppose it's only an hour or two in the week. We thought it was, well, more about a lifestyle of being aware of God and talking to him and knowing his guidance. Well, that happens more outside church because that's where we live most of our lives. Being spiritual is being aware that God is interested in everything we do. I suppose to expect his guidance on a visit to the betting shop is unrealistic or at least inappropriate. But to ask help when you're making a cake for a friend or tackling a job that might be difficult is, well, it's what we do. I'd certainly ask for help if I was making a cake. (laughs) If I'm a man who doesn't read instructions, I might be a man who doesn't like to stop and ask for help. Very true. Um, But it's an attitude the Lord finds difficult. Being aware of Jesus, present in your life and activities, is an attitude of consciously working with him, letting him help you. And it's a listening attitude as well. That's what we are talking about this week. Two well-known Bible stories take us up to the top of two different mountains. Of course, we do our listening anywhere and at any time. But these were special occasions, signpost moments, when the Lord came in a bright cloud. And, at the risk of oversimplification, he told those who were there to listen. So that comes down to us as a principle we can follow. As we learn to listen and that means listening to each other as well as the more prayerful kind of exercise, we get better at hearing God's voice in all the other noise and competing voices. Before we go into the story, have you got a pithy saying to share? This one is a bit different. Christianity Today reminded us about Billy Graham, who died five years ago this week, and this is what they said about him. Billy Graham restored a sense of goodness about the good news. He showed that an evangelical Christian could be both respectable and relevant, all the while clinging to a simple gospel message of God's love for sinners. We know that Billy Graham was someone who was good at hearing God, and his messages were about God's love and how we could turn to him and know forgiveness in Jesus. He had the gift of making what seems difficult accessible to anyone. In the story, we touch on how we often do make things complicated, but the Lord makes them simple. And if we expect God to give us something complicated, well, then we can miss what he's saying that may be more straightforward than we imagined. And that takes us to this week's story, which is under the title, Listen. How God spoke on the mountaintop and speaks to us today. Be encouraged. 
God is always speaking. He has words of love and encouragement for you. And I'm going to help you to hear better with spiritual years. This week is Transfiguration Sunday for the diverse churches and chapels that follow the popular interdenominational scheme of Bible readings. The readings for Sunday, February the 19th, bring together the well-known mountaintop experiences where God draws close and gives specific instructions. It particularly highlights Jesus' mountaintop experience with Peter, James and John, where they heard God speak to them as an audible voice. What did he say? In a word, listen. God often seems to simplify where we complicate in an effort to prove our obedience. These verses from Psalm 99 draw a backdrop for us where God, majestic and holy, is exalted over all nations and the call to worship him at his holy mountain. Great is the Lord in Zion. He is exalted over all the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. He spoke to them from the pillar of cloud. They kept his statutes and the decrees he gave them. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. So we're talking about encounters between man and God, between imperfect and often wayward man, and unchanging, perfect, loving and holy Almighty God. What happens when we come close to God and he comes close to us? Such an encounter is irregular and not well matched. Somehow it seems more appropriate in a place that feels distanced from everyday life. No one lives on top of a mountain. The perspective offered by a mountaintop is different from where we live and work and have our being. Moses was summoned to ascend to the top of the Mount Horeb where he received the law, the commandments and the detailed revelation of how God's people were to honour him and each other. At this point Moses was leading the Israelites on a long journey which had two distinct characteristics. They were leaving Egypt to discover the new land God had promised Abraham long before. And so, first, this was a geographical exploration. It started with a passage through deep water which miraculously opened up for them and closed over their pursuers. This was an early lesson in listening to God and relying on him. Then, in the desert region beyond, with little food and no water, they had to rely on God and listen to his directions. This was part of their preparation for crossing the River Jordan into a fertile land where they could settle and thrive. The second characteristic of this period of travelling, a less evident one, is one we have already touched on. A journey in their mindset. Having grown up as slaves, what they knew was the bullying and abuse of their Egyptian masters. 
what we have received is what we tend to give out. And so they had to learn not to imitate their former life in their dealings with Moses and each other. While discovering the physical direction that led to the new land, they were also learning the new spiritual direction of the law, which set out how God wanted them to live in it and thrive by loving him and each other. They camped in a mountainous part of the desert, which Moses had visited many years previously, attracted by a strange, continuously burning bush. There he heard God speak to him for the first time. A generation or more later, having returned with the Israelites, Moses is summoned by God to ascend the highest mountain known as Horeb or Sinai. It was a long and uncertain climb. The peak was hidden in a volcano-like swirling mass of cloud and fire. There he experienced the awesome, close presence of God and received ten words inscribed on flat rock tablets by God himself. These were headings for the law, the detailed code of conduct about how to live in love and how to relate to God and also to each other. Moses received this from God over the prolonged time that he was up there. Let's hear the story now in the words of Exodus 24. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and stay here, and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and commandments I have written for their instruction. Then Moses set out with Joshua his aide, and Moses went up on the mountain of God. The cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. For six days the cloud covered the mountain. On the seventh day the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. As Moses went on up the mountain, he entered the cloud, and he stayed on the mountain forty days and forty nights. We are not told specifically that the Lord instructed Moses to listen. However, it is clear that he became aware of the gravity of the meeting in other ways. After a long climb towards a volcano-like fire and then after a further six days entering the cloud in real trepidation. The Lord had Moses full attention. What Moses came away with was evidence enough of very careful listening. And so the law of the first covenant, the Ten Commandments in our language, was given for Moses to teach the people. Moses listened to God. But did the people listen to Moses? It's a relevant question for us today. Unlike Judaism, Christianity is founded on the new covenant that Jesus secured for us by his death and resurrection. That is why Christianity is not just another world religion, but a living, active relationship. Religions offer rules not a relationship. Being a Christian is believing and trusting. 
It is believing who Jesus is, the Son of God, and what he has done, through him living a fully obedient life and giving it up for us by submitting to a horrific form of execution. Having believed, being a Christian is also trusting in Jesus as Saviour, trusting his work of salvation, not any work of ours, and pledging allegiance to him as Lord. Christians are people who have listened and trusted and continue to listen and trust as God speaks today. That sense of trusting and obeying is rooted in this first covenant, the one where Moses listened to God, trusted him, and went on to act as intermediary for the people. As we get to know Jesus better, we realise that Jesus is now our intermediary, the only one we need, and far superior. To grow spiritually as a disciple of Jesus, we listen to him and trust his way as we go through everyday life. That's how it was for the Twelve. And that's how it is for us, but now in a spiritual way of listening and trusting, not a physical way. Next, we join Jesus, Peter, James and John as they ascend a different high mountain. They then find themselves participating in an experience of terrifying intensity. It turns into a never-to-be-forgotten lesson as they hear God speak audibly to them, as we hear now from Matthew 17. Jesus took with him Peter, James and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Moses and Elijah appeared before them, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The one thing they heard from God, unambiguous and unmistakable, was to listen. Listen to Jesus as if listening to God. It's a very important principle. The disciples related closely to Jesus and to his will and his kingdom order. As his present-day disciples, we do the same. This is receiving the message of the good news and the kingdom and putting our lives and priorities into its frame. But 
there's a problem. Instead of putting our lives into someone else's frame, however enabling that frame is, there's a pride part, an independent part of us that wants to do a switch. We want to put the enigma of Jesus, fully God and fully man, Lord of Lords and suffering servant, exalted victor and redeemer of all, into a man-created framework. Instead of us accepting the challenge of growing into Jesus, we want to take Jesus and scale him back to be like us. This is how church can so easily slide from fellowship to faction, from inspiration to institution, from spiritual experience to mere recitation and rules. It's also how the focus of church shifts from its God-given mission to its man-given money and need for fundraising. Peter, in his second letter, addresses a group of people who apparently started well, but then allowed man-centred philosophies to take over. This has always been the Achilles heel of the church. Spiritual truths are spiritually discerned and spiritually passed on. That requires us to be spiritual, spiritually alive and alert, and that takes some effort to maintain. Let's hear this in Peter's words. We did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honour and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. The prophetic message we hold is something completely reliable and you will do well to pay attention to it, seeing it as a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns. Understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation, for prophecy never had its origin in the human will. Prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Peter urges, we ourselves heard this voice. He wants us to be with him, the hearers of God's voice today. It will not usually be an audible voice. We discern it through the Holy Spirit in us as a spiritual voice, a kind of inner hearing and perceiving. And of course we can, in quotes, hear wrongly. But with practice we can also hear reliably. It's a bit like riding a bicycle. As you know, balance is maintained all the time you keep pedalling. But that's harder on the hills, and as you slow down you lose the balance. Nobody likes that precarious feeling, and so there's a temptation to look for safer, easier options. And so what we believe and profess shifts to be less spiritual and more repetitive and man-centred. 
that's part of the slide we mentioned earlier. We lose the sense of the Holy Spirit's leading. We want something easier. And that's how we give up on the practice of listening to God and taking our direction from him. It seems too hard. We can even read the Bible in that unspiritual way. And, of course, we'll find parts we don't agree with and we'll seek to rationalise them and change them. This is not listening to God and it's not trusting in him and his word. It is moving from obedience to abeyance. Peter addresses this head-on as he asserts, We didn't follow cleverly devised stories. We were eyewitnesses. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven. There are lots of ideas around, Peter implies, that are spiritually empty because they have their origin in the human will. These simply do not compare with the personal experience of an apostle carrying the prophetic message as something completely reliable. So, he says, pay attention to what is true. Look for what has the quality of light shining in a dark place. Hold out for the real thing. This is about listening to God who has given us Jesus. The Holy Spirit will always direct us back to Jesus and Jesus is who we listen to and who we live for. So here's your takeaway. Listen to the Lord who speaks through his word every time we come to it with minds that are open and spiritually engaged. Who has given us his Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, alive and present to us today, showing us what we could not otherwise see, reminding us what we have forgotten and teaching us how to live God's way, who speaks to us through others, as the Holy Spirit in us enables us to listen and learn as God speaks day by day through those who belong to him. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for revealing yourself to Moses, showing yourself to Jesus and the three disciples at the Transfiguration and for the way you have become real in our lives and make yourself known in all sorts of ways. We're sorry for the times that we have sided with the doubting and philosophizing arguments rather than simply telling our story of meeting you. We're sorry for the times we have not listened or trusted. We thank you that we can come close to you and know your closeness with us we ask that you fill us with your spirit, put a little of your glory in us, and so equip us to show you to others. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Well, that's about it for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to being with you next week at the same time. Till then, may God be close to you. May God be speaking to you as you hear him and respond.